0: Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter.
1: Morning everyone from Naples. Another gorgeous day here. Lots of spring in the air, which unfortunately uh, is affecting my eyes, (laughs) my nose. Um, But I am so looking forward to speaking to Emma Hederman. She'll be joining me in the studio in just a minute.
0: Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jay Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Morning everyone, Um, (laughs) we'll get that right one time, one day soon. Um, This morning, I am absolutely delighted to have Emma joining me in the studio as it it is, our virtual studio here at Teachers Talk Radio. Those of you, I I was just astounded at the response on social media when I mentioned that I was talking to Emma. Um, So many people responded with the fondest of comments. Um, Emma has been in ELT since 1989 and she has worked for several well-known language schools, most recently as Director of Education for La Cunza International House in San Sebastian in Spain. She's also a published author, and she will tell us a little bit about that. Um, She works as an ELT consultant and has extensive teacher training experience. So I'm very, very excited to be speaking to her. Emma, um, I'm just going to unmute you, and I hope it is you. (laughs) Good morning. Morning. I think it's me. It is you. <laughs> <laughs> we were a bit um we were a bit worried about this one, weren't we? Because you're actually joining me from your holiday. Thank you so much for taking the time out to chat. Um, from your holiday in London. That's that's right, that's right. <laughs> Yesterday we had quite an
2: experience. We um took a train at half past seven in the morning from our town, San Sebastian. And we finally got to London at, I think we got here at half past nine at
1: night, but we made it, so here we are. Incredible. Well, I think if you'd flown, uh, you may not have got there. I, I gather lots of people are having their flights canceled or they're just spending hours waiting in airports in the UK uh, I hope it's it's so at least you did get there (laughs)
2: that's right and we feel so much better for having done it I think everybody needs to do it at least at least a couple of journeys a year if you're gonna take journeys you
1: need to do them by train and was the choice by train Was that environmental or <laughs> was it? Um, I, I, think it's,
2: I think it's a bit of both. Um, being based in San Sebastian, obviously, we do a lot of traveling, and I've still got my parents here in London. And I think I made the decision a couple of years ago that at least two of my journeys I would take by train. Mm. So of course, we booked these tickets two years ago and then had them canceled. Oh. Um, so the, this is kind of using the vouchers that we had from two years ago. We've done Great. it. But at least they're still valid. <laughs> not, yes, yes, I've yes, yes. Flights, good old, good things old French like that. trains, yeah, yes. and Eurostar. They're, they're amazing. Yeah. Strongly no, I... I'd recommend it. If anyone's thinking of doing it, do it. It was, And Paris was so lovely yesterday, as you can imagine. Gorgeous, bright sunshine. <laughs> we had about five hours in Paris, which was, which was lovely. Oh, superb. So you got off
1: and had a good lunch, I hope. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> lovely lunch.
3: <laughs> good. <laughs>
1: Um, Emma let's get on to your your teaching journey you have had quite an adventure I believe Um, can you just tell us a little bit about how you got into ELT yeah I
2: mean Yeah, I mean, I guess my journey is quite similar. And I I hope that other people can relate to this and not think, oh, she's a fraud. So there I was, I did psychology at university, actually. And when I finished psychology, I went for an interview at a psychology unit. And they said, gosh, you're very, very young. What kind of psychology are you interested in? And at that point, I said, well, probably I'd worked quite a lot on playgroups with um, kids, Um, kids who had various difficulties, either from broken homes or um, maybe they had learning difficulties or something. And I knew I wanted to kind of combine psychology with kids. And the people oh. in this psychology unit said, you're very, very young, you haven't got a lot of life experience and you haven't got any teaching experience. What we recommend is you go away, get some teaching experience and come back in a couple of years, And which I thought was interesting advice. So it I, in is. fact, at that point thought... Actually, I'd also like to travel. So I did a CELTA. And once I'd done the CELTA, I went into International House in London with my CELTA certificate. And they offered me three positions in Spain. This was January 1989. And one of them was Girona near Barcelona. And I said, oh, I'd love there. I'd love to go to Barcelona. I'll have that one. But they wouldn't take me for the same reason. I was too young, too inexperienced. But San Sebastian would. So I ended up in San Sebastian, um, <laughs> met my partner, and that's 32 years, I think. Wow. I like, went in 89, and it's now 22. Yeah, something like that. 33 years, maybe. Yeah. So agree. anyway, so there I was. I started in San Sebastian, and I was incredibly lucky to end up there. I didn't know a lot about it. I didn't know a lot about San Sebastian. Somebody told me, if you like food, it's the place for you. And it is, I love food, and the food is amazing, but what's even more amazing is it's a small city and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, It's kind of set on a big bay and with an island in the middle and it is just the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful places in the world. So I ended up here in a really large school and the advantage of ending up in such a large school was there were so many immediate opportunities. So I was able Mm -hmm. to kind of start out at the bottom with, you know, intermediate levels. And then little by little, I got more experience. And I think, as I mentioned to you, um, in my very first year, I was kind of just thrown into a teacher had left and I was just given her classes. Mm -hmm. And I had a class of children. And, you know, I was straight off a four week course. My experience with children had always been kind of playing with them or being more, you know, I was was only, I'd only been a student. So kind of being more a friend to the children. So you can imagine what my classroom was like. It (laughs) (laughs) It
3: would have been fun for them.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we did loads of playing. I can remember we did some, you know, we made models of towns and villages and we played games but we didn't do much English. And I can remember (laughs) my first observation, the director of studies saying, well, I loved the class, but nobody spoke any English. (laughs) (laughs) You know, apparently, I I mean, these are such basic things. The kids, they were playing a board game and apparently... They were even counting in Spanish, you know, as they were going round the board. They were going uno, dos. Tres. <laughs> <laughs> you know, surely they know the numbers in English. So, you know, basically, I had these huge classroom management issues going on, just because I was so inexperienced. I thought, no, I'm, this is not what I want to do. So, the next year, I moved to the adult centre and stayed there for six, seven years. Did my Delta with adults, and I thought, this is it. I found my niche. I'm an adult teacher. Um, so the next thing that happens is, you know, obviously after seven years and I had my Delta, it was kind of I began to get itchy feet again and think, oh, what next? Mm-hmm. And the school opened a new branch and they were looking for a senior teacher who would become kind of the young learner, yeah, um, giving helping other teachers with young learners. And I thought, oh, gosh, um, my only experience was back on the playgroups. Um, but if I don't go for this job, that you know, this is this is kind of the job made for me so I went for it and really I was really really surprised they actually gave it to me even though you know my young learner experience was on the play groups so I went off to Amara on the first day I had my first young learner class and it was just so different because obviously now I had all the classroom management under you under know. Control. Yeah. Under control. And I just kind of now applied it to working with the children. You know, I had groups for six to twelve year olds, some adolescents, and suddenly I just kind of thought, no, actually this is very easy. It's it's just experience and confidence mm-hmm. and actually being able to plan a class. Definitely.
1: I think differently. Uh, I mean a lot of a lot of post CELTA teachers go into a complete panic (laughs) Um, because um they you know they don't know what they're doing but once once you do get a little bit more experience behind you it's a lot easier um so you then just continued to to climb i mean not climb but that sounds (laughs) (laughs) but you did continue to just move up within
2: Um, i mean actually in San Sebastian at that point so what we're talking about 1994 or 5 they had always had young learners but it hadn't always been such a big part so about that time it was beginning to be the school was by then about 70 75% under 18s and they decided that they needed a young learner coordinator which was taken by a great colleague of mine Dave Green so he became the Young Learner Coordinator, and we began to get more organized. And then he was actually promoted to become a director of another center that had just opened. And the position was free. And I thought, well, why don't I apply for that? That kind Mm -hmm. of seems like that would allow me to combine the kind of experience I already had in the classroom with more you know, I'd then be able to move into academic management to a small extent, do a little bit of teacher training. So that was my next step. I then became the young learner coordinator. And I stayed there in that position for three or four years. Um, I did, I went back and I became a director of studies again, but in another centre where they had a young, lot of young learners.
1: Um, what percentage of young learners? So by then,
2: we were pushing, you know, the centre I worked in by then was like 90% young learners.
4: Wow.
2: And adults were now becoming, you know, much, much lower. And I think I mentioned this to you, that actually, by that stage, I was finding teaching young learners much, much easier than adults.
1: Mm -hmm Um, (laughs) well they're not less less demanding what do you
2: think it is it's it's the classroom management I think if you walk into a classroom with young learners from the very beginning you can establish some rules so you know if you begin speaking and they're speaking over you you can quickly stop things and say to them no 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 in my classroom this is how things are going to go um we're going to have moments where I'm going to speak and you're going to listen and then we'll have activities where you're going to speak Whereas when you go into an adult classroom and you start speaking and they speak at the same time, I find that much, much more difficult to deal with. You know, how do you say for an adult, um, would you mind just being quiet and listening to me <laughs> without sounding rude?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah.
2: And the other thing is like you'd set, you set homework with adults or you get them to do some reading and only two of them would do that whereas with your young learners you set your homework and and they do it Mm. to better or worse extent but they certainly do it
1: (laughs) thank goodness thank goodness yeah yeah i mean i kind of look at my uni students They are more they are more young learners Um, i've got Mm. a couple who have even even started sending in their homework early they're getting it's april but they're sort of getting ready for the end of term doing all this all their extra they have so many exams poor things
3: yeah um, I think they're
1: just getting ahead of themselves yeah. so what do you do about things like speaking because I often find
2: that kind of university age group some of them can be quite shy and reticent and you know obviously with young learners it's easier to to get them to speak because you just kind of you know you go into your reward charts or you add you add in other incentives how do you do with the university students
1: I think um I think what I do what we've had to do obviously through lockdown is adapt a lot more and do a lot more kind of they do several video tasks where they send me in work which I think is really good for them because it Mm. it gets them to focus more on content accuracy pronunciation Mm. (laughs) and it allows me to have that genuine interaction with them um we actually have speaking classes and they know that the that during those classes we are listening to them and we're making notes on them we Mm -hmm. have I I luckily get to split my I have a year of about 150 students and I split it with a a colleague or two colleagues actually they do speaking classes with me and my other colleague on one day and then writing the following week with my other colleague Mm -hmm. so they know that in those lessons and also in their normal lessons um we are really listening to them and making notes on them. I think going a lot of onla- having online teaching and breakout rooms mm. makes it much easier to. And they know that you're listening to them. Yes, 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 yes. Or you're <laughs> going to come round listen to them. I, I sort of zoom in, and they. Yeah. I, sometimes you can hear the sort of switch from Italian to yes. English. Yes, 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 yes. I think a lot of them really do make a, a very conscious effort, and yeah. they're seeing the benefits of it. Yes. We actually had complaints when we went back to -to face-to-face teaching that they weren't getting that, you know, that the teacher is really listening to
2: me. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. No, that's right, because it actually... No, you're right, because I'm I'm kind of thinking about a less experienced teacher who says they're monitoring and they don't actually sit and listen, or they sit and listen and kind of...
1: Note down all the mistakes. Exactly. (laughs)
2: Whereas if you, you know, with the breakout rooms, it actually kind of does. You're right; it forces you to go in there and just sit there quietly and listen.
1: And mm. yeah. yeah, I mean, you can, we could talk about this all day. You know, yes. Also, intrusive, non-intrusive monitoring. So if you've got yes. your camera off and your your microphone off, that they know that I'm just listening.
2: Yes. Whereas if yes.
1: I, you know, if I want to speak, I turn my camera on and give them a little bit of feedback as they go along. It's it's interesting, yes. but I think it's for me, it's actually a lot easier. To hear them mm. <laughs> online mm. than mm. it is when we've got them all in the big room of
2: yes yes mean, yes, you, know, yes, you yes.
1: get 50 students sometimes in a room
2: yes, and
1: it's yes, yes. not as easy yes. anyway
2: yeah.
1: you then became director of education
2: yeah so that's that was the next step so i was then a director of studies as i said of a very large center we had about 800 students there and i now had the full range of experience so what next happened was we had some older directors who retired because obviously these people have been in the school since it, not since it began, but it, it's a very old school. It, I think it was established something like 1956. So we had a wow. lot of people there who'd been there since the mid-70s, early 80s, and about three people retired. So there was suddenly a position for a director of education, and I applied and, and got that.
1: That must have been a really interesting job. I mean, I know International yes. House does actually enable you to do lots of really interesting work. Um, yes,
2: yes, 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 yes. And they, you know, they're very professional schools, so they <laughs> definitely take it very, very seriously. Um, so this is a school I- which had six thousand students at one yeah. point. It taught teaches French. It still teaches French, but at one point was also teaching. Chinese and Basque and Spanish um, with 6,000 students. So there definitely was a need for somebody to kind of pull all the academic programs into one, get things kind of looking the same, look at the kind of level system and look at how people were progressing from one level to the next, making sure that things like the assessment made sense. So Mm -hmm. It wasn't more tricky at an elementary level than more tricky at a kind of an advanced level. I mean, we, you know, when I started to look at all this, I found something, as you can imagine, some incredible incong- incongruous things. You know, <laughs> things like intermediate students were doing one really, really easy test and then passing up to an upper intermediate level, whereas the elementary kids were having to do seven tests, which were incredibly <laughs> complicated. So it was just kind of. Making everything, you know, just kind of standard, standardizing everything, streamlining. and hopefully streamlining
1: everything. it. Yes yes, the yes,
2: yes, because the poor teachers were like, so at level this level we'll be doing six tests and a speaking <laughs> test, and at this level it's just one test. So that that was what. That was what I worked on. For, with, I at that point, I had a training coordinator who worked a lot with me and together. And then, of course, we brought on the whole team. So there were teachers working on things. And we managed to bring everything and make it a lot more streamlined and make a lot more sense. Big job.
1: But, um, it was. Fantastic. It was, it was.
2: Yeah, that's no, but it was, it was great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's the kind of job that never stops. You know, it's never something that you say, oh, right, well, that's done. Now what? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, what we're talking about, we always talk about there are three prongs to this. So it's content. So what will they actually be studying at the level? The pacing, how long will they be moving through this content? And then finally, the assessment, how will we be measuring progress? And obviously, of those three prongs, you're always going to have to keep looking at it. So, of course, our next challenge was when we went online was assessment, because I imagine Mm -hmm. you had the same problem because paper tests suddenly, you couldn't do paper tests at the end of every term. It just, it didn't work. (laughs) No.
1: No. What were you using we're using Google uh, so, or...? Yeah,
2: so at the beginning, what we did was we gave um, lots and lots of mini-tests. So within a class, a teacher would do kind of a 15-minute mini-test where the students would quickly do something on a piece of paper. And, you know, we did all sorts of things where maybe with the younger learners it would be as simple as a spelling test and the kids would just hold up their words to the screen or they would put the words in a private chat or they would put their sentences in a private chat or you would project it and they would email their sentences or whatever. We, we tried yeah. lots of different
1: things. And I think people are still experimenting with it. I just yeah. had a chat over coffee with a colleague about um, about Google Docs and, and how to <laughs> how to make them work for you. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. And, and then you decided to go freelance which yes yes is there, is. was there a reason for that yes yes I mean there were
2: two reasons both personal and professional so I had then been in La Kunta for 32 years um, we came out of the pandemic and I, I mean we everyone was exhausted I mean I think mm. I don't think there's a teacher on the planet who didn't come out of it change <laughs> more weary but but change and so and a lot of ways to the for the better you know we did it did do you know we did learn a lot and we did mm. benefit from the learning but I think we were all incredibly weary um and so for on the personal level my partner had been very lucky and just before the pandemic had been given early retirement so he was now at home and once the pandemic, you know, we came through the pandemic, he, you know, was beginning to get, well, come on then, where are we going to start travelling to, and what are we going to do next? And and I was like, well, can't really, because I'm working (laughs) 35 hours in the company. And the other thing is, I had also been writing at the same time, so there are a couple of books like Complete Preliminary and the Macmillan book, Get Involved, that I'd actually written side by side a 35-hour week, so I was kind of how I managed. That. <laughs>
4: um,
2: <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm not very sure now. Thinking about it, um, I think I worked seven day weeks. By by then, my kids were older. I mean, my kids were teenagers when I did complete, and by the time I got on to get involved, they were university students. So they didn't need me as much, but it did mean seven day weeks. No holidays, and it was just silly. And coming out of the pandemic, I suddenly thought, I'm tired. I've reached the top of where I'm going to get to in La Kunta, and I think it would just probably be a good idea for me now to step back. Let somebody else in La Kunta take over from me mm. and move the school forward. It probably, you know, I felt it needed a fresh set of eyes, um, and they've now taken on a wonderful academic director who's taking the school in a, you know, very very good direction. And I thought, well, now it's time for me to go freelance so I can carry on writing. Um, I've done a lot of teacher training, so I can carry on doing that. Um, And I can also probably give back to the community some of the stuff I've learned from being an academic director, which is kind of the consultancy
1: stuff. Okay, we're going to get on to that. I think now is probably a good time to take a break. I can see we've got quite a lot of people in the studio with us. Um, If they do have any questions for Emma, um, we'd love to hear them. Um, So we will be back in about five minutes. Um, We're just going to go to the news for now. Okay.
0: ...aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more.
3: Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics... ...Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers... ...and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk.
0: Introducing Bulb.
3: the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
4: With many schools across England and Wales now on holiday for Easter, or with a break imminent, The Guardian is reporting that many GCSE and A-Level students are being advised to begin revising in earnest. Experienced teachers and education experts alike are making the recommendations so students avoid exam stress. Across the UK, close to 2 million teenagers will be preparing for exams with students in England and Wales and Northern Ireland, sitting their first papers on May 16th. Many teachers already know that the secret to reducing stress is good preparation and that a little bit of stress during the break might well avoid super stress in the future. The article features comments from Daisy Christodoulou, former teacher and the director of education at No More Marking. Christodoulou recommends revision strategies such as self-quizzing, rather than rereading and highlighting notes, and advised that revision for each subject or topic be spaced over days rather than crammed into one. But the advice also focused on leaving time for rest, relaxation and getting a good night's sleep as these activities also help retain information in long-term memory. A new north-south divide is highlighted in the Manchester Evening News. It focuses on newly released government data, which shows that there are eight parliamentary constituencies, where there are no schools or sixth form colleges, state or private, offering A-levels, with all but two in the north of England. An MP in one of the affected areas said it was unacceptable to not have a sixth form in her constituency. In Bolton West, one of the eight areas on the list, local Tory MP Chris Green said that having gone to a secondary school with a sixth form, I'm quite surprised by the number of schools without one. According to the Northern Powerhouse Partnership Lobbying Group, the Greater Manchester Borough of Bury has not a single school with a sixth form, though it does have two further education providers offering other post-16 qualifications. Former Children's Commissioner Anne Longfield said it's shocking that some children are growing up in areas of the country where there is no provision for them to study A-levels and doubly shocking that so many of them are in the north. As part of the government's recent levelling up white paper to tackle regional inequalities, 55 so-called education cold spots, many of which are in the north, will get extra investment. Struggling schools would be offered more support and new selective sixth form colleges created. But Northern Powerhouse Partnership Director, Henry Morrison said the selective six forms aren't the answer to problems. A story on the Mirror Group newspaper website focuses on talks to introduce a new GCSE, which will focus on the environment and sustainability. School Standards Minister Robin Walker said talks were underway with exam board OCR, with a view to introducing the course. He stated, the department is exploring proposals for a new GCSE in natural history. This is after a range of campaigners expressed concern about how subjects such as climate change, sustainability and environmental protection are being taught in primary and secondary schools. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
5: Hello, this week you may find you have a bit of time on your hands, so why don't you learn a new skill? I'm talking learning to code. There's loads of ways to get started for free. Check out Scratch from MIT, a block-based programming language. There's tutorials and a huge community of people who share their work. Imagine if your next presentation to the pupils was done through a game. The limit is only your imagination. If you want to get a bit more serious and you have a child to drag along with you, take a look at the Astro Pi Challenge. There's Mission Zero, spend an hour and program a Raspberry Pi in the International Space Station and get a certificate of where and when uh, yours, um, uh, the, the Pupil's code, ran. If you want to get really involved, check out Mission Space Lab where you need to invest a bit more time, but there's also some free kit for school involved. Do you just want some me time? Then look no further than EduBlox or Trinket. These browser-based editors come with tutorials to get you going. Their tutorials help you cross over from blocks to text-based coding. If you want to be supported in coding, why not join me for an introduction to Python on May the 4th, 4 to 5 p.m. I'm going to teach an introduction to Python coding in Trinket. Any Teacher Talk radio listener can come for free. Details of how to join will follow shortly. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two
0: Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
3: Well,
1: we're back again with the lovely Emma Haiderman talking about her her teaching journey and the work that she has been doing. And now I'm going to get on to some of her more current things. Before I do that, I've got a couple of questions for, for you, Emma. You've obviously been incredibly successful as a writer, as um, a an manage, academic manager, as um, a teacher trainer. Uh, I know you do a lot of conference presentations. Um, we can I'd love to hear a little bit more about that what do you think is your unique skill that's helped you helped you to be so successful
2: oh gosh <laughs> that's or funny. are there several <laughs> yeah um I guess it's just kind of that determination that kind of believing that I can probably do it um I'm tr- yeah that kind of I mean there, there, is so, there are loads and loads of brilliant people out there in the world you know people who possibly do things much much better than I can but that kind of belief that well if so many people can do it then I can probably do it too I don't know if that's making any kind of sense yes. so yeah, the kind of you know well if somebody asks me to you know work on a book with them and they say can you do it I just kind of think I think I probably can. It's, it's that kind of well. I'll give it a go, and and if I can't, I'll ask for help. Um, so I, th- I think it's a bit of a combination of that, kind of wrapped in that kind of determination. I'm going to do it. That kind of stubbornness.
3: Mm.
1: Okay. No, that's um, that's <laughs> you. It's a, a mixture of courage, really, and um, and confidence.
2: I think so. I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm not. It's funny because I'm not necessarily the most confident person. I mean, if you were going to meet me, you talked about conferences. I was, you know, we've just gone back to -to face-to-face events, which is just wonderful. And I was kind of watching myself at this face-to-face event. And I really was the person um, sitting at the back of the room, being really shy to participate. And I mean, I'm not one of these overly confident people who walk into a room and talk to everybody. So, yeah, it's kind of that. I guess it's just a kind of I'm just going to push myself so if I've got to dive off that diving board I've just got to do it because I've got that far
1: so I'm just going to do it. Do you do the same when you're presenting?
2: Yeah I mean I stand at the <laughs> front of the room and I look at all those people and I think oh I can't do this and what if they laugh at me and what if this is a complete flop <laughs> and then I don't know you just kind of I just kind of say right you've got to do it 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 goes back to that diving board you know I can remember as a child there was there was a (laughs) swimming pool which had these really really high boards and standing at the top of the board with my friends behind me just going you'll do you can do it you can do it you'll love it and it's that kind of feeling it's just you know once you jump you're you're actually fine it's that Okay, come on, just do
1: it. Just go. Here. Yes. I remember <laughs> bungee jumping in New Zealand many, oh, many oh gosh, years no, ago. No.
4: Um,
1: and it was, it, it really did. You know, the, the, the poor guy who was up there with me said, You know, I can't push you. You're going to have to jump. <laughs> I, was yes, like, yes, I yes. don't want to. Why yes. am I here? Um, did you do the, it? I did it. Yeah, I did it. Oh, well and after I jumped, I didn't really like the fall at all, but I loved the bouncing and being able to look around (laughs) afterwards.
5: Uh, Um, But I did did kind
1: of think, I thought, gosh, it's such a lot of money. I could have bought myself a really nice pair of shoes instead of putting myself through this. But I did it.
2: (laughs) You did it. I mean, you raise a really interesting point there, because I would never go bungee jumping. And I think that's another thing, that kind of awareness of what you can't do. I mean, there are things that I will never do, and I have turned down, um, because I just know that's not me, and that's just taken me so out of my comfort zone that let's call on somebody else to do that.
1: So yes, I think I was kind of pushed into it. I didn't really have – I was on holiday with friends and we all drove up and they just said, you're going, and I'm like, oh, I don't
0: want to. No, no, oh, no.
1: But I did. I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, we could talk about this for hours as well. <laughs> I mean, the worst thing I've ever done is rafting in Victoria Falls. Well, not actually in the waterfalls themselves, but underneath in- – and so we're on the boat, um, and it was a bit like what you say, it was, we were with a group of people, and they said, come on, come on, it's fine, it's fine, and you're in the boat, and at the beginning, it's absolutely fine, until the guide says, and there are crocodiles in the water, he was lying, of course, it wasn't true, (laughs) but, you know, and then when the boat actually flips, you kind of think, oh my gosh, why am I doing this, what am I doing, but, but I think as on a professional level, it's that, you know, when you get to that point where where it's a bungee jump that I know I'll never, you know, even if, if I had a group of friends around me, I just wouldn't do it. Mm. Um, I think it's that, just realising there are some things that you're just going to say no to
1: because because you can't. I think Sylvina's just written, she did something similar in a- Iguazu, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, Iguazu Falls. <laughs> She's having a bit of a giggle at your expense, I think. Oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I can remember being in, in northern Australia in on a boat, which was notorious for crocodiles, and all of a sudden, because crocodiles, I don't know if you know, they, they, people study them or, or car makers study them because they're so aerodynamic. Oh, they don't. You, you can't see them coming. Oh, oh, uh, gosh, they just appear, and the water yeah. just the water doesn't ripple. And all of a sudden, this nine meter crocodile appeared next to us, oh, and we were on a flat boat. Yeah. And a whole oh, lot of oh, people no. ran over to the other side of the boat to take a photograph, and we were all just like, "Sit down, but yes, we can crazy." <laughs> <flip us. Yes. laughs> some people some people don't think of consequences so maybe yeah, that's no, 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 <laughs> no. Emma you asked a really good question about conference presentations on social media a while ago mm. have you managed to refi- it was the question was before you present at a conference um, what do you do is that correct is that the yes. question? what do you yeah. do
2: about your nerves? Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And some of the answers were absolutely amazing. I mean, there were such simple things like, I mean, there are some stars out there in our world, you know, people like Kath Billsborough who said, put on makeup and brush your teeth. I think Anna Hasper <laughs> said the same thing. Um, that is slightly more diff- different at a face-to-face event because that obviously... For the first face to face event, we're actually, I was put up in a hotel. So I had my breakfast and I went back up to the room and I brushed my teeth as Kath had told me to do, and I put on my (laughs) my, my lipstick (laughs) and brush your hair. I think online it's, it is slightly easier. So online you make sure you're wearing your bright red top or whatever colour you like and you brush your teeth and you put in your, and you get your yeah, lucky cup next to you and <laughs> take a deep breath and go for it.
1: A ritual, yes. Yes, a ritual.
2: And face-to-face, I was so nervous about that because it was, you know, having done um, online training for two years, it was, I had things like, what do I do about the chat box? How do I stop people from talking out of turn? How do I set up talking? I mean, I had all those questions in my head. Um, and actually, it was Anna who wrote, wrote to me and said, um, don't worry, it will all work. You'll, you know, it, it always worked. It worked in the past and you'll just, you know, you'll get back in there and it's, it, will be, it will be amazing. And she was absolutely right um the first one i did i think i mentioned this to you i give talks in spain and in spain it's you know it's okay just to talk at the same time as somebody else is talking Mm -hmm. um so i was giving the presentation and there was a group at the back who were talking at the same time and I was like, oh, my gosh, what do I do now? I can't do this. I can't give a talk when there's a group of other people having a separate conversation.
1: And they're not young I, learners, no, are they? No, <laughs> no.
2: So I can't even, you know, I can't even say, I'll call your parents or whatever. <laughs> so um, I just stopped talking. I just stopped talking because I was so shocked by it. And I just kind of looked at them and said, um, I, "I." in fact, I didn't need to say anything. They stopped talking. But I was thinking, can I really say to them if you've got something to say, share it with everybody. I thought, no, I can't say that. Or do you have a question? Or (laughs) it was difficult. But luckily, they stopped talking. And actually, at the end of the conference, they came up and said, they were really embarrassed. And they said, we are so sorry. We were so excited about what you were saying that we were talking to each other. And we were talking, you know, we promised we were just talking about what you were saying. But we were just getting, you know, a bit excited about it. So the next day I gave another event and I said at the beginning, look, um, if you don't mind when I'm talking, would you mind just listening to me? But I will stop and I will give you lots of breaks so that you can talk to each other. And that just works so much better. I mean, that's mm. a kind of young learner training, isn't it? You know, that kind of
1: explaining the rules at the beginning. Exactly. The housekeeping at the beginning yes. and also, yes. you know, setting um, it's signposting really, isn't it? It's it's letting them know <laughs> what yes. what you expect for them and what you're going to give them. So it, it makes, yeah, I, I've, I'm glad you reminded me of that. I'm going, <laughs> I'm, I'm preparing. Right. <laughs> I know I'm going to see you soon in Venice, but um, Ooh, yes, 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 Venice, yes. I, I haven't been to a live conference for years and yeah, it's yeah. kind of... Um, it's really daunting. I mean, i I can do webinars now, and I can I can go online. Yes. But now the whole thought of oh, and what what if I my my fear is, you know, when you when you like when you feel anxious and your voice kind of or your throat, oh, um, really? yeah. It, yeah, and and it, it it closes and then I can't breathe and then I have a coughing mm-hmm. fit. Um, but I think Anne Robinson gave me some really good advice when I was feeling like that doing webinars, and she just said. Get some spray, you know, uh, throat spray—the mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. stuff you use when you've got a sore throat—and mm-hmm. before you start, spray your throat. <laughs> that's, that's great advice.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah yes, and
1: it just yes, sort yes. of calms, relaxes. Yes, yes, <laughs> I think it—it yes, yes. it, um, it might actually anesthetize. Yes. You. yes <laughs> so yes, you don't yes, do yes. that. Yes, um,
2: yes, yes. Because whatever you do, don't um, eat. Uh, don't take a sweet because ha, I've done that before and started choking on the sweet. <laughs> Someone's coughing <laughs> so it out. The- <laughs> we, won't,
4: we won't go down that road. Coughing it on someone in Cuffing the
2: audience. Oh, I mean, the, the other thing I noticed was the um, the other problem, of course, is getting the audience to be quiet because they, they're so excited to work together and talk about things. So go back to all your young learner things, you know, the counting down to stop or I don't know if you're a singer or, or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also maybe allowing them to have I yes. mean planning that time for them yes. to work together and chat absolutely. because absolutely. It, that takes I mean I always find it's I, I much prefer starting something and handing it straight over to them so that yes. I can calm down and they're talking yes. not me
2: yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely and getting lots from them and getting them to feedback
1: what they've been saying yeah. so you in your freelance life um yes. what projects are you working on at the moment
2: yeah. So I've got two projects. Um, one of them is incredibly exciting because it's just, been, it's just been kind of launched this week. I'm actually working with Niall on a new, one of their new online courses, which is going to be in teaching teenagers. Um, Excellent. It's exciting because I know there are a couple of very, very good um, courses in teaching young learners, but I'm not sure um, there's actually a course in teaching teenagers. I'm not sure if one actually exists. So this is one of the Nile ones, which um, I don't know if some of you, some of the people in the audience have done or whether you've done one of them. So it's kind of like- A planning tube, yes. Mm. (laughs) They've got got so many. Um, So it's an eight week course um, where you look at different aspects of this. So you begin with the kind of teenage brain, teenage motivation, teenage behavior, then go into kind of aspects like, so how do you plan a good lesson with teenagers or a successful lesson, looking at things like presenting language, developing skills, assessing progress, because that for me is a huge, huge area, the whole Mm -hmm. area of assessment and homework and really kind of exploring the idea of why do we give homework? Do we just give homework because we think we should be doing it? What's the purpose of homework? Then we'll also be looking at what's really, really important is do all your students have a voice? So this is the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I think it should be a really, really interesting course. Sounds brilliant. I was going to say, I mean, there are other really exciting things we've managed to do. We've managed to actually get interviews with teenagers. So um, kind of asking teenagers about their own motivation and their behaviour and asking them about things like how they feel about tests and homework. So I think it should be really, really interesting for teachers to kind of listen to what teenagers have to say and then kind of getting their own opinions and just discussing it.
1: I'm excited anyway. Sounds great. Did, 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 or does your psycho, psychology background, did that influence the choice of topics for the course or was that? Uh, that's a really good question. I don't think it
2: influenced the topics. What it influenced was the way I approached it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because when I did psychology and we're talking about a long time ago, I mean, when I did my degree 30, 32 years ago. um I, we did a lot of research, so, and we were taught how to properly design a good question, how to think about the method, how are you going to explore the question, how are you going to do the research, and how are you going to report on it afterwards. So as part of the course, the participants will also be doing some mini action research. And really be kind of drilling down what makes a good question. Hmm. So, for example, a good question is not something like, why do my students always misbehave? Because, you know, (laughs) how would you answer that? A good question would be something really, really specific like, what happens when I write on the board and turn my back on my students? And so what you would do is go in the classroom with that question and you would answer it. So you would look around, see what your students were doing, write it down. And then at the end of the class, you could then analyse it and think about. um, So what are they doing when I turn my back? Well, some of them are watching me. Some of them uh, begin talking to each other. Some of them are switching off or whatever.
1: Some of them are pl- turning on their phones underneath their desks. Under the table. <laughs> checking that message that they've been dying to, dying to, to check.
2: Yes. I mean, yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. I think and, then, and then taking that even further forward. You know, if they really are just checking that message, does that actually matter? I mean, does that actually interrupt their own learning and the people around them's learning? So, you know, kind of really getting people to think about what's happening, what I'm doing, how I'm reacting, et cetera, et cetera. So I think my psychology degree, maybe not the theory, because I did do it a long time ago, but it, it definitely has influenced the kind
1: of method we'll be using or the methodology. Really, sounds really, really interesting. I hope so. <laughs>
4: okay. yeah. you've written
1: several course books and mm. um, you, you create materials. Um, what, what's, what does the future hold for you in terms yeah. of materials?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've actually got my second project that I'll also talk about, and that would be the consultancy project. Um, yeah no I'll answer your first question about materials I mean as far as materials writing um, my niche is definitely secondary you know I'm definitely a secondary school writer so I write books um, for teenagers or also for teenage exams as well Mm -hmm. trying to make the material more interesting more accessible um, even if they're having to prepare for an exam making it just a little bit you know, just to challenge them on a different level, not just a linguistic level, but a kind of getting them thinking a bit. I also recently wrote some stuff for a business, an adult business course, a a really high level, C2 level, which I Mm. loved. It was, so I'd also like to be, you know, like to explore some of the other areas, you know, if I could do a little bit of different writing i wouldn't say no to that i mean there's
1: so much of a need for c2 material in Mm. general Mm. for those listeners who are are not familiar with with elt teaching that is Mm. we have a the um, council of europe framework of reference and Mm. c2 is the highest level and the there are there there is a real lack of resources at that level um so that's great (laughs) <laughs> Great to yeah. know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I would, you know, if, if there's anyone out there <laughs> I wouldn't say no to something that
1: wasn't secondary or or exams. And um, consultancy. I mean I yeah. would love you to come down to my university and sort out our departments. I'm not going right. to say any more on that, but we have we have a serious in we're having serious interdepartmental um, arguments about yeah assessment in particular <laughs> right, right,
2: right, I think yeah I mean I think we talked about this as well you know it's a bit like um, if you write an email a really really important email so say for example you're just even writing to your bank because they've made a mistake and so you write your email well what would you do you'd normally get somebody else to look at it and read it you know and give you some feedback on it with the same with materials writing you'd get somebody mm. you know you would never write something and it gets published somebody would always look at it and give feedback And what you want that person to be is somebody who comes in from the outside, somebody objective with no agenda, who is just able to be that other pair of eyes. And and that's the kind of thing I do. I mean, I work already as an inspector for International House and also for Equals. And it's that just going into a school with a kind of the kind of methodology I was talking about before with some very, very, very simple questions. Um, going in there with none of my own agenda, answering my questions or whatever framework I, you know, we agree to, and being able to feed back to the school and say, you know, where the strengths are and where are areas where possibly they could improve, and if they need to improve, possibly offering some alternatives if that's what they want. You know, some schools don't want to hear your alternatives; they just want a kind of breakdown of what things are going well and where they could improve mm. but other schools are very very interested in suggestions for further improvement so as a consultant that's the kind of stuff I do
1: and Excellent. that's my next project that's what I'd like to kind of do a lot more of and the in general the feedback that you get from the, the centres of the schools that you go into um what kind of what kind of feedback do you get from them um, i worded that question very well. Sorry about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, presumably you're, you're kind of saying, you know, what, how do they react to the kind of stuff I'm offering them? Do they find it useful?
4: Is that mm.
1: the
2: kind of question? Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Um, it's a really tricky thing, feedback. You know, if, if we all think back to... You know, you work really, really hard on something for your French teacher at school, for example. I can remember doing this. I worked hours on this essay. I handed it to my French teacher and she sent it back to me with a C and said, you could do better. Um, So I think, (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, I think that's that's the problem (laughs) that we all suffer from feedback. We all, you know, however constructive it is, it's the first reaction is, oh, But Mm. then, you know, if the person giving the feedback is constructive, so if you work with somebody who kind of says, well, this is really working well, an area where I've identified where maybe we could improve is this, and you never impose your own agenda. So it's never, I believe in this kind of education, so that's what you should be doing.
4: Mm.
2: It, It works. And they are, on the whole, incredibly grateful. It's almost like I'll tell you what else it's like. Um, When I was working in La Cunta, I used to, with very, very new teachers, offer to teach their class for them. So I would teach the class and they would observe me teaching. Um, And what I found was I would be observing myself because I had somebody in the room watching me. I was also observing myself. So the fact that I go into another school encourages them to also observe themselves. That kind of makes sense.
1: And self-observation is yes, something that yes. is probably the most beneficial tool. I think, yes. where, where, that's one of the the outcomes of the pandemic is being able to, you know, record yourself or, yes, or video yes. yourself. Um, things are, are much more accessible, yes. strangely. Um, yes. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, things yes. we didn't think about, yes. um, but, you know, recording yourself in class. Yes. I, I can remember um, when I was at... Um, at the BC and doing sort of academic management, it took us ages to get the right equipment for um, for self observation, <laughs> and then they disappeared and things like that. But um, you know, there was a lot of time spent looking at the, the technology. Whereas post um, you know post pandemic, mm-hmm. um, there is just so much more information out there.
2: Yes, yes, yes. In or yes, yeah, yes. From... Or webinars. You know, we spent hours in our school. You know, it was in in La Kunta <laughs> because it had it has something like eleven branches, 120 teachers, and people kept saying, "Can't you record the training sessions?" And we said, "Oh, but we don't have the technology." Well, suddenly you go through the pandemic, and ev- anything's possible.
1: Yeah. It is, and and it makes it it makes for greater sharing of information, sharing of learning. Um, It is, there there are lots of benefits, (laughs) I think. Yes,
2: Um, yes, 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 yes. And it's about we should hold on to what worked, mm -hmm. um, but not lose that kind of human touch, because I think the human touch is what you'll feel in Venice. Um, Jane and I will both be at the Equals Conference (laughs) in Venice, and what Jane's going to experience, that I experienced a couple of weeks ago, is... Yeah, I, it, my brother had a really good word for it. You can kind of smell the interaction. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh, which, yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah. You know, when you're standing, you know, it's not that I want to smell you, but I can yeah. say it in a really polite way. Um, that... I mean, obviously, Jane and I have had a lot of conversations and we've done a lot of webinars together, but we've never been in the same room
1: together. No.
2: So I still haven't smelt her. It's, which I don't mean I'm going to go up to her like an animal,
1: but it's kind of like that. Be, it will be really, really nice. I'm really yes. looking forward to it. I'm also yes, yes, you know, um, getting away. I'm going to finish with a couple of silly questions. Um, OK. I think we should have another, have another conversation further down the track, particularly about teenagers. I think, you know, it's fantastic that you have a course coming up. I, I also like the way you approach teenagers and really getting into to them. And I think that's, that's something that is missing with many, not many, not everyone, but many teachers yes. have difficulty teaching teenagers yes. because they're not, they're not fully understanding them. And I think that's just so important. Um, I'd just love to have you back. Um, No problem. (laughs) Emma, if you were uh, a type of food, (laughs) what would you be?
2: Oh. um,
1: Coming from a foodie area.
2: (laughs) Yeah, foody foodie area. So I I guess I'd have to be a a plate of pinchers. So the pinchers are the Basque tapas. These are the little Mm -hmm. snacks that are on the bar I'm not expensive I mean in the, in the Basque country these pinchers are incredibly expensive they're like three euros each and if you wanted to fill yourself up you'd need to have about five of them you know so we're talking like almost 20 euros for snacks mm-hmm. but I would be a plate of pinchers why because I often feel I'm just a little bit of everything but nothing of a whole so I can do a lot of little things but I still I mean maybe I don't know what I am as a whole yet if, if that kind of makes sense
1: that does yeah, yeah. And, and and as as we, we don't say it a lot anymore but you're, you're an eclectic <laughs> variety yeah. of of skills and yeah, and yeah, interests yes yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so i'm a plate of pinchers you know I'm, I'm a bit of a mix in there you know <laughs> Um there is a similar thing in Venice. The name does escape me. Um but we'll have to try that out. We'll too. have to try them. Maybe are they called antipasti? Is that, is that they're not antipasti, they have a special name and All I right. can't remember it. Right. Oh, it will you know, come it will remember. come to me yes. if I don't stress about it. If you could switch lives with someone for a day,
2: <gasps> who would you choose? Oh. Oh. oh that's a that's a really difficult one. You, um, well you said someone, so I'm gonna say my cat. Um, (laughs) she's got a name and she's definitely a she um why i mean she has such a great life she is allowed out so she's not just a flat cat she i mean we live in an apartment but we also have um a terrace and she can get out of our terrace and roam around the neighboring mountains a bit um well we we live on a hill it's not really a mountain so she can go through the grassland and she just has you know she's very very independent she eats when she wants there's always a bit of food in her bowl and you know when she fancies just lying around on a bed all day that's what she does when she wants a bit of a cuddle that's what she does and when she just fancies getting out there and doing what her stuff she does so that
1: sounds brilliant like me like i'd Be my dogs Um, (laughs) today. They have just been wonderful. It's the first time they've got up and started running around. They're tired. Well, it's the spring air making them all sleepy. Maybe.
3: (laughs) maybe, maybe.
1: Yeah. Emma, um, is there anything that you're not very good at? Oh, lots of things. I know that there are lots of things that you're very good at. Yeah.
2: No, I mean there are lots of things I'm not very good at. Oh gosh, that's that's yeah. <laughs> What what am I not? I I mean okay, confidence. I I've, I would say I've got determination, but possibly not confidence. Okay, so me in a teenage class, I go in there and I listen to the teenagers and I prepare these lessons and I think, "Oh gosh, this is going to work." But when it doesn't work, that breaks me. So I'm not very good at kind of managing my expectations, which I think with teenagers you need to do. So mm-hmm. if one teenager halfway through the class says, and the Spanish expression is, que rollo, which is, God, that's boring. That just breaks me. So I think I'm not very good at that.
1: But then you um, can reflect on it and change it the next time round. I mean, I think life is an ongoing going, um, yeah. series of there's the things that you... You teach, it doesn't work. You reflect on that and you change it.
2: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So I'm not great at moving on. So, <laughs> so I'll change that when I become a cat because I don't think she suffers too much. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something more concrete. Um, I mean, there must be loads of things that I'm not very good at. Um, I wish I was much, much better at sort of things like mending washing machines or mending cookers or mending cars.
1: I'm not very good at that. Me neither. Um, but there are plenty of other people who can do that for me. Quite expensive. That's quite, you know, quite expensive yeah. <laughs> for someone else to do that
2: for me. True. For me. Um, I don't think I'm the world's greatest, and oh, this is going to be terrible on a, on a teaching English site, I don't think I'm the world's greatest language learner. Um, I, I, I can speak good Spanish, but I haven't lost my accent. So possibly I'm not that kind of musical person who learns how to speak languages
1: and... I teachers think we have. Like I many, think there yeah. are there are many teachers, in certainly in English language teaching profession, who are, are dreadful language learners. But I think knowing that, yes. they actually reach those more reticent learners better, and they they know how to relate to them, which mm-hmm. I think is really important. Um, it really helps them. Yes. Yeah, some of the best yes. teachers I know still speak Italian with very very british scottish um, australian accents but (laughs) they're brilliant teachers so i wouldn't i wouldn't be worried at all about that emma where do you see yourself in in five years time yeah no we, we we talked about that one so
2: um So I've only been freelance, it's not been a year yet, so July will mark my year's anniversary. I think where I'd like to be is just to have myself sorted, um, worked out where my income is coming from. Obviously, my main income at the moment is still the materials writing.
3: Mm.
2: I do like being with people, um, so I would like to either do more teacher training in person or maybe get the consultancy you know, develop the consultancy idea, be mm. able to travel to other schools, yeah. help people. I mean, that's the kind of thing I really like doing. Yeah. I really like working, collaborating with other people and working together on a common, kind of common aim. You know, if we, we both decide, well, this is where we want to get to. I do enjoy doing that and working with other people to get there.
1: So I think that's Sounds. where I see myself. Sounds absolutely brilliant. Unfortunately, we are going to have to end this lovely conversation, Emma. Um, but we will resume it in a couple of weeks' time. Yes, um, so looking forward to meeting you. And for anyone who, who would like to catch up with Emma or, or follow the work that she's doing, um, her website From ELT to Infinity, the title of.
2: (laughs) And and in fact, I I plan to explain what that meant. Um, It's From ELT Teacher to Infinity, because I do think we're so lucky in our profession. I think once you become an ELT teacher, And when you think about the kind of things you teach, in one day you could be teaching, I don't know, a pilot from the airport, their two, not their two-year-old, their four-year-old child, a couple of teenagers, you could be teaching, a group of seniors who've recently retired. So I think once you've got the skills as an ELT teacher, I think you could do just about anything. And that's where the infinity comes from. I think we're so lucky that in our field...
1: I, I, I totally do. agree with you. Oh, I do agree with you. I can remember once a person that did the CELTA with us um, came down to Naples to visit us on his boat because he just um, <laughs> he got landed a job, a training job, but they liked the skills that the CELTA gave him and he was in sort of corporate training and managed to buy a boat. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my <laughs> and sailed down. <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's such a... Um, there's such a variety in yes um, yes yes
2: yes I see that Sorvina agrees with that agree yes, yes <laughs> definitely the world you know is infinite for us there's so um, much we could do there. Yeah.
1: Thank you, um, thank you, Emma. Lovely to chat to you. Um, wonderful to hear your 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 journey and where you're going. And I wish you. The very best of luck with all of it oh thank you so much jane
4: <laughs> you take thank care
1: you. and yeah. I'll, I'll chat with you soon
4: yeah
1: um for those listening um i've just been speaking to emma Hayderman and um yeah thank you sylvina thank you for joining us uh for this afternoon remember that there is harry waters drive home um he's got a very very special guest this afternoon and i recommend you all tune in and and listen or or join the conversation through Podbean. Um, Thank you everyone. Next week I will be speaking to Nick Peachy about creating ELT materials. Very much looking forward to that. For now, um, happy, what, what day is it today? Gosh, it is International Make Lunch Count Day. So I think that's what I will do. Emma, I hope you have a lovely London lunch, nice pub lunch or something like that. (laughs) And I'm going off to cook some pasta for my kids. Have a lovely day, everyone. Thank you for joining, and I'll see you at the same time next week.
0: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org.